couple of weeks, we've been talking about this series called Out of the Valley. I believe God put it on my heart simply because um, I believe too many Christians live in despair. I believe we live in a place where, where we just have no hope. It may not be your entire life, but there may be a section, a part of your life. I don't, maybe your children, it may be your marriage, it may be your, your, your wife, your husband, it may be your job. There's just too many people, I believe, who have lost hope in some aspect of their life. And so we've been going through these messages just on how we find hope in God. Because I don't know, I just think it's so important that as Christians, we have hope. God has always intended for, to be our hope. He's always intended to give us hope. And so we're going to continue that message today. I want to read some scripture to you. It's going to come out of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 1. I'm just going to pick a few out, and I just want you to I'm going to actually ask you, close your eyes. This is the only time I'll ever give you permission to close your eyes during the sermon. But if you would just close your eyes, and I want you to hear this. Just see if you can put your place, yourself in this place, to feel what these people were feeling, these Jews who have been taken to Babylon. See if you can feel what they're feeling. It says in Lamentations, this is verse 2, it says, and listen, Bitterly she weeps at night, tears upon her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is none to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Verse 8, Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns away. Verse 10, the enemy laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary. Those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. Well, Father God, we just thank you today that you are a God of grace and hope and love. God, wherever we find ourselves in these seats today, God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would begin to stir hope within us. I pray that the words I speak today would not come from my mind or my heart, but they would come from the very Spirit of God and that they would bring life because we know you are a God of life, that they would bring hope because you are a God of hope. That where we think we've lost relationships, God, you would instill hope. Where we think we've lost opportunity, God, you would instill hope. Where we worry about our children, God, you would instill hope today. Through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I ask you this morning, have you ever felt like those verses describe? Have you ever been in that place where you just felt that way? I can tell you when I was there, I, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt the lowest point of my life. I was sitting at the crossroads of Ogeechee Road and Highway 17. If you go out Lakeview Road here in Statesboro and you keep going, you'll come to Highway 17. If you, as if you're coming back to Statesboro, I was sitting right there at that stop sign and I was a blubbering idiot. I was sitting there and, and, and I'm crying my eyes out. I'm on the phone with, with Susan. She doesn't know what to do. She said, Brandon, do you just want to pull over and let me come get you? And, and I'm just sitting there, tears down, coming down my face. I'm just in an emotional wreck. And I'm sitting there crying and, and I can't control it. And the only words I could say to Susan were, I'm just trying to be obedient, Susan. I don't know, I don't know how I got here. It was like I'd been taken up in this tornado and been twisted and, and, and turned and, and then dumped down. And all of a sudden, I look around and I'm going, how did this happen? How did I get to where I am today? How in the world did I end up here? And I'm just crying and, I, and, and it's uncontrollable. I mean, I can't. And I'm just, I'm just on the phone with her. Susan, I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm lost. And for the first time in my life, sitting in that little 
white Toyota Camry. I can still see it to this day. In my mind, I heard for the first time, every hope and every dream you've ever had is gone. You'll never do what you were created to do. And that was the most empty feeling I've ever felt. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. But I know this, it's not of God. And as I sat there that day, I felt so empty. I felt so alone. I felt like those Jews did. The scriptures were written about Jerusalem, but it, it comes from the mindset of a Jew who is, has gone into captivity and who's been lost, who, who feels that everything has been taken from them, who feels that their friends have turned against them, who feels that all their treasures have been taken, that nothing's working out. And so there's just this great despair. They are literally in the valley, and they have no way of getting out. But I want to encourage you. Because this scripture comes, or those scriptures are actually um, what Isaiah the prophet was talking about in Isaiah chapter 40. If you'll turn in your Bible, we're going to remain there for the rest of the time today. And I want you to hear the encouragement and the awesomeness of our God who promised to bring those Jewish people out of captivity. And it's the same way for you and I. He has promised that he will bring us out so that no matter where you sit today, what you look like, what your circumstances look like, I want you to be encouraged by what you're about to hear. See, listen, the, the Israelites knew. There was no, no, no way around it. They knew that their, um, that their predicament, that their captivity was because of their sin. It says it um, in there very clearly that they knew in Lamentations, it was because of our sin that this happened. They had broken the covenant. They were in a conditional covenant. God promised blessing, but they had to do certain things. They had not done it, so captivity was imminent. Their being overtaken was imminent, so they get taken to Babylon. And for 39 chapters, Isaiah is telling them, for, for years and years, Isaiah is telling the Jewish people, the Israelites, he's telling them, listen, captivity's coming. They're going to overtake you. First, it was the Assyrians. They're going to come and they're going to get you and they're going to take you captive. And, and, and you're going to go with them and they're going to bind you up and you're going to have to serve them. And then it was the Babylonians and they ended up coming in and crashing Jerusalem, taking them off into Babylon. And so for 39 chapters, all they heard was death and destruction, death and destruction, death and destruction. So when you think about the context of their mindset in Lamentations, you think about the context of, of the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. Then you come to this and listen and put yourself in this place. This is incredible. Listen to this. Chapter 40, verse 1 in Isaiah. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Look at verse 9. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid, say the towns of Judah. Here is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart he gently leads those who have young what a difference Do you see the difference in that it went from all this judgment in the, in the beginning. It went from all the heartache of lamentations to Isaiah saying, listen to me now, listen to me, comfort, comfort. 
your God is coming. See, this was a huge moment for them. This was huge. This was actually prophesied a hundred years before it happened. A hundred years. God supernaturally spoke through Isaiah to tell them a hundred years before it happened. They had this. It's like us having the word of God and his promises. They had it. And yet they were in such despair. But we've got the word of God today. And we can look at his promises and know that the tide has changed. I want you to hear that people. The tide has changed for you. This was a historical moment. This is huge. I mean, from, from all those years of judgment and destruction and death, here comes this time when God begins to say, comfort, comfort. And just as God controls the tides, he controlled that situation. And he said, the tide's turning, guys. The tide is turning. Begin to listen to me. Comfort, comfort. He says, your sins have been paid for. Does that ring anything in your head today? Your sins have been paid for somebody smile that is incredible that is something we cannot do your sins have been paid for our covenant the only thing we have to do is receive christ that is our covenant and god says i will fill you with the holy spirit and i will change you from the inside out I will change, you will not change yourself. I will change you. So that when we come and we receive him, we just begin simply to press in. The greatest privilege we could ever have is pressing into God. God says, I want you to hear this. The tide has changed. See, the riches of his glory is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So that that is the changing of the tide. When you receive Christ as your savior, the tide has changed. So that it comes in so far, you receive Christ and the tide begins to go and it begins to shift in another direction. And God himself is the one who establishes that. And the gates of hell cannot come against what God does in your life. It cannot take it away. So the first thing I want you to hear today is that if you're in Christ, Christ is in you, the tide has changed. You begin to look for his favor. You begin to look for him working in your life. You begin to realize that God is on my side. You don't have to lay in bed at night and wonder, is he even for me? Is he even on my team? Whose team is he on? He's on your side. He is your God. You are his child. You are his people. And the tide has changed. He's going with you. You're moving with him. We're in a partnership together with him. The next thing I want you to hear is this. Beginning in verse 12. And just listen to some of this. Listen to, listen to your God. How big he is. Verse 12 says. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And I'm going to skip around. Verse 12 is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? 13. Who has understood the mind of the Lord? 14. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And listen to this. 15 and 16. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands of, of, as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is insufficient for altar fires. Skipping down to 18. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? 22. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. And 23. He brings princes to naught. Skip over and over. Turn the page if you have the same Bible as me. 25, to whom will you compare me? 
This is God speaking. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Listen to this. Not one of them is missing. That is a big God. That'll make you chuckle on the inside. That is a big God. He holds the oceans in the shallow of his hands. He is huge. He places the stars in the sky. Not one of them's missing. And yet listen to what he asked the Israelites. He says, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. Listen, they are regarded as dust on the scales. This is what he's saying. Listen, the nations are so small in comparison to God that it would be as if you had a balance and on this side is God. And he's saying, listen, these nations over here that you think are so big, these nations over here that you think are so powerful, take it to your life. This person in your life that seems so big, this person in your life that seems to dominate you, this circumstance in your life that seems so big, this circumstance in your life that seems to dominate you, he says, look at it. It's as if it were dust on the scale what does dust do to a scale absolutely nothing and he is saying if you will look to me you will see that what you're in is nothing compared to me it is dust on the scale he says then whom who to whom then will you compare god what image will you compare him to and he goes on and he begins to talk about idols he says Isaiah is really it's almost sarcastic He's looking at the Jews and he's going, seriously, are you seriously comparing me to a gold idol? Are you seriously comparing me to some gold idol with little silver chains on it? Do you really think that a man could craft me, the one who crafted everything? And he's going, look at it. It doesn't even make sense. And yet, what do we, we do the same thing, don't we? We get in places where, where we lose our hope for a situation and we begin to trust in things. We begin to look to a relationship. Well, maybe, maybe I don't see where God's doing this. So maybe this guy or maybe this girl, I don't see where God's going to do Maybe I can pour myself a little bit more into work because my family's just not working out. Things just aren't right with my family. I'll just pour everything I got into work because it's going halfway decent. And so we begin to put all of our effort into other things. And what he's saying is, listen, none of those things can compare. None of those things can even come close to the glory and the awesome and the magnificence. Of who I am. And then he goes down here and he says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circles of the earth. And 23 says he brings princes to naught. He's saying, Why are you trusting in deliverance from a bunch of nations that are like dust on the scales? Why are you looking to other people to deliver you? I am the one who will deliver you. I am the one who can come in and change us. And he did. He ended up uh, coming in, and, and, and not to go into a lot of historical stuff, but the, the, the Persians come in, take over Babylon, and they ended up getting to go back to, to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. And so he comes in, but he's saying, why are you looking to these nations that are like dust on the scale? But we do the same thing. We get in a situation where, where we feel that, that we can't, uh, can't handle it. We don't have any hope and we begin to look to other people. I'll never forget. I'll never forget a time when I own my own business and, 
and things were crazy. I, I know some of you may be like this, but I used to carry a Southern Link radio. I carried a cell phone. And sometimes when I'd be sitting in the office, both of them were ringing and I'd have the landline up to my ear. I could be talking on the Southern Link with somebody on hold and talking on my cell phone at the same time. And it was just crazy. And I had contractors pulling at me this way and that way. We didn't do big jobs, but we did a bunch of them. So we were just here and there and everywhere. And I remember the worst days was when it would rain because we were in the roofing and sheet metal business. And so your stomach would just be in knots. You're like, oh, gosh, oh, nothing's leaking. You know, and, and, and Sean understands this. We, you get into this place where you're just like, oh, gosh. You know, you think that, that what, what's going to happen. And I remember I was in the gym with a friend of mine. And I'm sitting there, and, and I'm freaking out. He could tell. I mean, I'm just like pacing in the gym back and forth. He's like, dude, what's wrong with you? I was like, man, it's raining. He's like, okay. I know. I mean, I, I, we got some jobs there in the middle of some jobs. I'm afraid something might be leaking. And, and then right in the middle of all of it, he just looks at me. He says, Brandon, who's your provision? I don't know. Hmm? Who's your provision? Ooh. And then I was like, oh, and I thought, you know what, I, I can answer. This is the religious answer. I was like, God is, of course. Then he goes, well, why are you worried? And I realized that day that God had not been my provider. I might have said he was. I might have gave, given lip service to it, but God had not been my provider. But I want to tell you something. That day changed everything for me. That day, I began to trust that God was going to provide my needs. He was going to provide everything that I needed. I had to do my part. I had to be responsible. But all in all, God was in control. He was going to make ends meet. And if I had not had that day, I would not be standing here today because we could not have stepped out in faith the times we had with finances. Taking a a huge pay cut to go into full-time ministry was not, by the world's standards, a very wise decision. But we felt the leading of God. We felt it, and we're like, you know what? He's the provision. He's the God. If he's leading us here, he'll take us there and we'll be okay. A few months later, I go and, I, and we got caught up in this um, deal where we ended up, it wasn't anything to us. It ended up not being, but we were in a deal where this, this house had some problems and, and we got brought into a lawsuit by another contractor. And I mean, it was just crazy. We ended up getting out of it because we had nothing to do with it. But it was still the intensity of it. It was still the having to go through it. You know, going through it's the worst part, even then when you're not involved and and not at fault. And so we're in this middle of this thing, and the kicker was it was for a a half million dollars. I mean, they were suing for a half million dollars. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't even, like, add that high. I sure don't have that much money. And so so we go, and and this insurance guy comes down, and he was for the other side, the bad guys, no, they, weren't, they really weren't bad people, but, they, but they, he comes down, and, and we're meeting, and we're at the house, and, and man, I think they sent him just to try to scare me. And I'm standing there, and they're like, listen, he goes, listen, um, I used to be here in Statesboro, and, and I want you to know, I lost a million dollars here because of something just like this. It's like, really? And he goes, yep, you know what, my brother used to be here, he lost a million dollars just like this. He goes, I just don't want to see you lose your million. I started laughing. I was like, what? He's like, I don't want to see you lose your million. I was like, bro, I ain't got a million to lose, so I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, you know, you like trying to get blood out of a turnip right here. You know, you can't, there's nothing there. And he's like, yeah, but you know, insurance companies and this and that. And then I began to realize what he was trying to do. I was like, this guy's trying to scare me. And I felt something on the inside of me. I, it wasn't me. It, if it, I would have been going home like biting my nails, thinking about, oh, my gosh, you know, we'll never be out of debt. And, but something on the inside of me rose up, and I said, listen to me. I said, I hadn't lost a night's sleep about this yet, and I'm not going to. 
I said, because I serve a big God. And I said, I can tell you this. They can come after me and they can try to get whatever they want. But my kids will never like shoes on their feet, nor would they like bread on the table. And so you just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. But you just know you're not up against me. You're up against him. And I'm telling you that day, boy, he, he looked at me and he goes, well, I guess a man only has to worry about what a man has to worry about. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm not worried. And I said, neither is my God. And he'll take care of this. You know, he got in his truck and left after that. That was pretty much the end of the discussion. He didn't have a whole lot else to say. And he left, and I'm telling you, it was such freedom through the whole thing. I mean, we just saw God at work. We saw all this, and I mean, we ended up getting out of it for next to nothing. The only thing I had to pay was $1,000 for like a legal fee or something. I mean, come on, that is God working. That is awesome. That is a God who provides when you serve him. And don't you back down from people who would like to come and try to scare you away from that. We've got to hear that. We've got to, we've got to get back to a place of realizing the magnitude of our God. You hear that? The magnitude of our God. He is so huge. And yet we worry about the little things. And God says, even the nations of the earth are dust on my scales. And so that we come to a place when we really begin to put our trust in him. Boy, he begins to deliver it. He begins to take care just as you would for your child. Isaiah 40. We're going to go to verse 27, and we'll wrap up here. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting. He is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Listen to that now. That is so huge. Some of you may be going through some things that you've been in for some time. Some of you may be going through some things that that that, that, that new, but you're just wondering, has God forgotten about me? Some of you may be going through things you thought you had gotten beyond, and yet now you feel like you're back at square one. And God is saying, listen, I have not forgotten you, nor have I grown weary. I'm not tired, nor have I gotten bitter. I'm the, still the God of today. I'm the God of tomorrow. And I will take care of you. He has not forgotten nor has he grown faint. You got to hear that. Just listen to this. Just by him saying, who, why do you say, O Jacob? Listen to this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? If you remember, Jacob was a manipulator. Jacob was a scoundrel. Jacob would manipulate you to get whatever he wanted. And God changed his name. You remember when he wrestled with him at the, the river? And, and he changed his name. He said, from now on, you'll be called Israel. And so he says right here, Isaiah, as God speaking through him, says, listen, O Jacob. Listen, O Israel. You see what he was doing there? You see what he was saying? Don't you remember that your father was a scoundrel? Don't you remember that he was a manipulator? That I sent him into exile? And yet did I not bring him back? Did I not reestablish him? Did I not still fulfill my promise with him? And he's saying, if you will only look to me, if you will lift up your eyes and look to the heavens and see the magnitude of your God, then I'll do the same thing for you. I will bring you back from Babylon and I will put you in Jerusalem. You are still my children and I am still your God. That's exactly what he's saying to him. Listen, O Jacob. Hear me, O Israel. 
And he says, I'll do the same thing for you. This, this is for us today. This is for you and I today. You may be sitting there thinking, man, I don't know if Jacob was as bad as I am. I don't know if Jacob did the things I've done. I don't know if Jacob uh, could ever possibly come close to the things that I'm going through. And yet God says, listen, O Jacob, hear me, O Israel. I will take you and I will bring you out of Babylon and I will put you in the promise. I will put you in the city of God, Jerusalem. And I will take it and I'll make it all better. I will take it and I will bring you out and I will heal you and make you whole. And this is God's promise to them. And it goes on and says in verse 29, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Everybody has to have God. Even youths grow tired and weary. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strengths. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. Now most of us, a lot of us have heard that for for years and years, but you've got to understand it in the context of why Isaiah is saying this. Why is God speaking this to them? They were miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away from their home, Jerusalem. They were going to be faced with a journey that was, that was long and it was hard. They were going to have to go through peoples who, who would just soon kill them as look at them. And yet God, through Isaiah, is saying, if you'll just trust in me, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord and listen. They will soar on the wings of eagles. He will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, God created everything we see. He created the heavens, the earth. He created you, me. And it says at the end of the seven days, He rested. He rested. But you know what? At the end of the six days, He rested on the seventh. You know what though? God did not rest because he was tired. God did not rest because he was pooped, you know? He went up there like, my gosh, $10 an hour, it ain't worth this, you know? It, he wasn't doing that. God was sitting there, and he had looked at it, and it says that when he created everything, the earth, the, the sea, all this, he said every time it said, and it was good. And then he gets to that last day, and he looks at all the creation, and he goes, this is very good. This is awesome. This is absolutely amazing. He's like, good job, God. And so he looked at it, and he, he rested because he was finished. He rested because he was finished. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. He said, it is finished. I am done. He said, I've done everything. I've done it all for you. And so now we can find rest. We can find hope. We can find it all in Him. Remember, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so that we can find it there. He is there. He is telling us today that no matter where you are, what you're going through, how it feels, what it looks like, He is more than enough to get you through the journey. The word renew your strength, it actually refers to like new growth on a tree. It's like a tree that you cut it back and it just begins to grow again. And God is saying, I will take you through the journey. Don't you quit. God says, don't you quit because I'm not a quitter and neither are you. You keep going. And I'll take you back to the place where you belong. And so he's speaking that to us today. You know, I sat there that day at that crossroads. And I, I, I'm, I promise you, and this is, this is just a God honest. I'm just going to be very real with you. I didn't know at that point if I wanted to drive home 
or drive my car off in the Geechee River. I'm just going to tell you right now, I didn't know which one I preferred. If it had not been for my wife and my kids, I probably would have chose the river. That's how low I felt. I felt like it was all coming to an end. I felt as though, and, and I don't know that anybody else could have, have known. I, I hid it well. I, it was a good cover-up. I, I played it off, and, and I, I drove home, and, and, and Susan loved me through it, but I just did not know what was going to happen. I even tried to walk away from God. I was like, maybe I just missed it. Maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be in ministry. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And I started to try to just even walk away from God. And there was something on the inside of me that I just knew I, I can't make it. I, I'll never make it without him. And I went and, and I got by myself for about 36 hours. I went and I got in a cabin. It was three miles from any, any other person. And I just sat there. And I want to tell you, God met me in that place. He met me in that place in a real way. And he took the, the I mean, it, it was, if it was anything, it was just a little bitty ember. It was a little bitty thing sitting there. And God began to come and he saw this broken mess. He saw this boy that didn't know what he wanted to do in life. That was just confused. That thought, it just didn't know what was going on. And he just saw this broken mess and he began to breathe on it. That pneuma began to come in. And I'm telling you, that little flicker, that little thing that was still there. In a matter of 30 seconds, God just began to blow on it and it began to come up and it began to rise and it began to rage and God began to speak. And what I realized is that part of me had died, but Christ was still alive. What I realized is that when my dreams died, God's dream could be birthed through me. And I want to tell you something. You sit here today because of that. You sit here today Because God came in that day and he began to breathe and he began to blow and he began to move. And God finally just began to blow it and it began to grow. And God spoke to me and he said, Brandon, it was almost like he said, son, now that your dreams have died, I'll do my dream through you. Now go and do what's in your heart. And so today we sit here because of that. And why do I tell you that story? Because I tell you this, when your back is against the wall and when you think that all is lost and all hope is gone, man, you're not in, you're not in despair. You're on the brink of a miracle. You are not, you're not in a place where God can't move. You're, you're standing on the brink of an awesome and crazy testimony. But it's kind of like looking at that crack in the wall. How am I viewing it? Am I viewing it as stupid electrician tore up my wall? Or am I viewing it as, man, that's a promise and I'm going forward. And on the other, listen, on the other side of that wall is God's dream. You see that? It's God's dream. And that thing's coming down. And I'm telling you, this city is going to be changed. And it's not by power. It's not by might. It's not by my strength, but it is by the Spirit of God that it's going to happen. And I want you to know today, I want you to hear these words again, because I just believe in my spirit that there are people here today who need to hear them. Comfort, comfort, my people. Your sin has been paid for. Comfort, comfort. That is God speaking to you. He loves you more than you could imagine. He will bring you out of where you are. You lift up your eyes 
and you realize that the tide has turned and the one who has turned it is the living God who, who put every star in place and yet not one is missing. He's the God who doesn't grow faint. He doesn't grow weary. He does not forget. He knows you by name. If he knows every star in the sky, then by golly, he knows your name too. And he has not forgotten you. Let's stand and pray.